Yo, yo. Hey, what's going on? Um, yeah, so I figure after today, going to take a break from uh, this MCU Phase 4 stuff uh, just to give myself a mental break, and I want to talk about something else. Like, either like that horror movie, They Slash Them, or um, The League of Their Own reboot, which I think is a really interesting uh, show, or maybe something else, but we are going to keep going through the IP slog of horrible um, IP in, you know, resume um, the MCU stuff at some point. I think probably um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, but yeah, this is uh, Trevor and uh, Q. How's it going? Do I sound okay, by the way? I um I don't know how I sound. Can you everybody hear yeah. me okay? Let me know. <laughs> no, you're good. You can be heard. Okay, is the volume like um clipping or is it a good level? How how's the sound? Ah, uh, you're fine this time. You're not uh, cutting out like you were the last the last time around. Yeah, because um it's always either too loud or it's in and out and inconsistent. I mean, but yeah, today seems to be okay. I'm using the um the new Mac I have and that and that my old laptop. Uh so yeah it's okay. It seems like when I use it when I use a new desktop um Mac it sounds it sounds pretty good. But sometimes I get tempted to use the old laptop out of convenience and yeah, I think no. I have to let it go. Yeah, leave it behind bro. Leave it behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have some nostalgic uh, connection to it, but I think it's time time to let it go. Yeah. Uh but uh yeah so <laughs> She-Hulk episode two. Well, actually, we, hang on. we haven't we haven't even discussed episode one. Um, but yeah, it's, and, and, uh, and not much happens in episode two. So I mean, it's might as well just be a, like how like how are you doing a filler episode by the second episode? Yeah, it's 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 interesting because it wouldn't be bad on a binge watch type of thing, you know, like when you release it on Netflix. But on a weekly show, you don't really want to have episodes like this this early. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, it, the show is like to me emblematic of everything about the MCU is that like there's a premise and then not much else, just no follow up. Yeah, the creators seem very um, annoying too. Like on their interviews and everything, like they are just really, really annoying, and I don't think they're helping their case a lot with how. In like one thing I don't really like about them is they kind of try to pretend like they're fans, and I think sometimes it's okay to admit you're not a fan. You know, not everyone who has done a good comic book movie is a fan. Like uh, Brian Singer, I mean, he's a perv and everything, but he did do um, two well-received uh, X-Men movies, and he never pretended to be a fan. If anything, people, some people complain he was. Um, too dismissive of the source material. Same well, with yeah, I mean, Nolan. He literally included a line where he says, oh, "What do you expect? Yellow spandex?" Like, he was making yeah, 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 we're just mocking this. So, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Christopher, Christopher Nolan, I don't think ever pretended to be like a big fan of this stuff. But there's this thing now where everyone kind of pretends to be like fans. You know, like, oh, I want you. I think especially sometimes when women work on this stuff, they're they're extra for some reason, afraid of being called, like, fake fangirls and everything, and it's like, um, so this Jessica Goat, gal, uh, lady's always saying stuff like, yeah, you know, I was a big fangirl and everything, and she gets stuff wrong in the interviews, and I'm like, lady, like, why are you doing this? Just do a good, <laughs> if you do a good show, no one's gonna care at the end of the day that yeah. you're a fan, and if you do a bad show, again, no one's gonna care at the end of the day that, uh, you know, you're a fan. They just want a good show. 
Yeah, so unfortunately, um, I, I'm seeing this as a problem with Disney overall. They just don't know how to do programming. I, I, like, I, I thought it was, a, I don't know, maybe a rough start with WandaVision and with, um, with Hawkeye. But now that we've gotten like film uh, adaptations of further material, I'm getting that this is just the way that the MCU is. And that's really bad because this, this is not the way that it started. I mean, this is not, we're a long way down from like Iron Man right now. You know, someone uh, said this and I cannot take credit for it. Someone on the Champagne Sharks Discord server said, two people said this, it was a one-two punch that was so good, I wish uh, I could take credit for it, but I can't. But someone said that MCU Phase 4 is as if Marvel decided to give every character a Scrappy-Doo. Like, uh, you, you know, <laughs> you know, you know Scooby-Doo had Scrappy-Doo yeah, yeah, yeah. in, like, in the 70s and 80s, and he was, like, the worst thing that happened to the franchise. And he was, like, a sidekick that they added. And they tried yeah. to make him the star of the show, and everyone was like, yo, fuck Scrappy. He's a piece of shit. We don't want anything to do with Scrappy. And yeah. the people were like, hey, man, come on, Scrappy. Y'all know Scrappy. And, like, you know, now Scrappy's, like, the dark secret of, you know, Scooby-Doo. None of the reboots mention him anymore. If they do have him, they have him as, like, a villain or a punchline or whatever. And and when the and then um, someone else responded to that person and said, um, "MCU Phase Four, oops, all Scrappies." No, no, no. They're saying the next Avenger is going to be called "Oops, All Scrappies" because it's going to be every <laughs> every franchise is Scrappy, you know. Like, uh, and it's kind of true. Like, um, they took someone like the Falcon, who was a solid character in his own right, you know, his own character with his own identity. And even making characters that were their own identities into Scrappies. So so he's kind of become a Scrappy. The Doctor Strange movie had America Chavez, and she was kind of a Scrappy, you know, where it's like, uh, it's kind of about her and everything. And, yeah, there's just, like, way too many um, Scrappies. And She-Hulk, I feel like it's not... It's not in the comics, they managed to make her her own person, and she's actually a very cool character. But mm-hmm. even she is a she turned to Scrappy in how these people imagine her. And also, yeah. if anybody likes the show, please uh, come up and talk about it. Because I want to talk to somebody who likes the show unironically and pick their brain. And no hostility, no mockery, but, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. I'm, I'm going to say that. It might surprise you to hear me say that. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I just think it's not... It's almost worse that it's not the worst thing in the world. Because it's like... It's just kind of bleh. I I I think it's like very it to me it's almost symptomatic of the uh like it's emblematic of, of what phase four is, which is like unfocused beyond having a like having a character and having a theme, perhaps a message, but then nothing else beyond that. Right? Like when we get into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I can really get into this with you, but so far in She Hulk, all I'm seeing is that uh like there's a I hate to do like you know. There's the message, uh, because oftentimes that gets used as um, a way to bash any show that has any kind of political dimension that people don't like or makes them uncomfortable. So, if it's dealing with like misogyny or if it's dealing with like racism, if it's dealing with like homophobia or anything like that, then people assume that there's some sort of message that's trying to be pushed. Where it's like, well, no, it's a story that's reflective of things that we're dealing with in real life. 
But the problem is that the MCU and Disney generally can't deal with things in a way that is natural and organic to a story. They just have to beat the audience. Like they can't trust the audience to be smart enough to figure these things out on their own. So they just, they just have to slap you in the face with it. And that's what bothers me so much is that like, there's there's no craft behind it. That's I don't know. That's what that's what's bothering me because going back and watching like the original Phase One stuff, it was just in there naturally. You didn't have to. Uh, it, it's like I could deal with the fact that like Tony Stark was a dick. Sexist. He was a he was a player, you know. He was like uh, running through women and treated them like shit. Treated Pepper Potts like shit, and basically like everybody in his life that was close to him, you know, he's a narcissist, possible alcoholic. They didn't exactly point it out, but they allude to it. But it's like you can get that without having to be told Tony Stark is an asshole. It's just natural to his character. Well, well, I think there's two problems there. What you describe, right? The first off is a they were willing to make Tony Stark into an asshole, but they did it knowingly. Like they're like, Hey, he's an asshole, you know, but even at his most assholiest, he was somehow likable. You know, like, like when he's in, when he's in the, the car and uh, Robert Downey Jr. I don't know if he's riffing or if he's, if that's an ad libbing or if that's scripted, but when he's like, uh, laying on like the trauma offensive, really heavy in the car with the soldiers before he gets blown up. Like I remember watching it in the theater and everybody was dying and like you liked him right away. Like, but these people, a they make their characters assholes by accident. Like, um, She-Hulk, Tatiana Maslany's character, they don't think she's an asshole. They think she's, uh. Like what you know, the creators of Scrappy Doo thought was Scrappy. They think they're making a cool character, some Poochie that everybody's gonna love, and she's an asshole. Everybody hates. She's the most tone deaf, obnoxious asshole. Like so, a they don't realize that they're even making her an asshole. They think they're just making somebody cool, and they can't even make her um uh, likable at at all. Like like they, the Tony Stark creators knew that he was. An asshole, but then, but even as his biggest asshole, I mean, even his most assholey ways, like what's the worst thing he really did or said? He was just kind of uh, tone deaf on stuff. But this woman is actively like a jerk in a way that I think even Tony Stark wasn't. You know, like how she dismisses Bruce's um, pain and his his history, and is always just taking these like really cruel shots at him that you know. Are supposed to be kind of okay because he's a man. Like he's not even a character with a track record in the MCU of being a misogynist. So this is kind of thing where he's just a default misogynist because he's a man, so she can treat him however. And it just ends up not really to me working because if you've watched these movies, he's always been a kind of chill, upstanding dude. So all you really see is this guy that, as far as you know, has never been a misogynist or a dick being treated poorly by some ungrateful uh woman who just arrived you know like like he's he's helping her putting her in a lab trying to help her get control of her powers trying to um you know create serums for her and everything and she's just like oh you think i'm better than you oh you you don't have to not handle any of the pain i handle and they're like oh stop it she's a scrappy uh last thing i'm gonna say not only is the MCU Phase 4 full of scrappies? 
I feel like at a meta level, it's like full of scrappies. Like Victoria Alonso, who's kind of the default head of the MCU now, like Kevin Feige is kind of moving on to other stuff in in the big picture. And, and Victoria Alonso is the one who's kind of really, she's like a scrappy version to um, Kevin Feige's Scooby-Doo. Like, like, like she's a scrappy. These writers that they're getting from Rick and Morty's and these directors that they're getting from, God knows where they're getting them from, are scrappy versions of um, of um, John Favreau. Like none of them are John Favreau. Like to compare to John Favreau's uh, Scooby Doo or whatever, these people are just all just like a guy was a scrappy. They've somehow reduced um, uh, Sam Raimi to a, a scrappy somehow. Like uh, it's it's really it's really kind of uh, terrible. It's, it's, I. I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, I see Laurent is in. Oh, I see Q is is gone. But yeah, I see Laurent's there. I'm gonna let uh, Laurent speak. Uh, sorry, Q. I didn't know you were gone. But uh, I invite you back up to speak. So let's see if we can get you back up okay. there. Okay. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, yeah. I can hear you. You sound okay, you sound great. Okay. Hi. How you so, doing? Good. I'm here to. I'm not defending the show, but you ask people that kind of like it. And I'm going to say I like it in comparison to other Disney Plus shows. I think it's better than Miss Marvel, in my opinion. And it's That's than, fair. That's fair, because I couldn't you know, even so finish yeah. the first episode of Miss Marvel. So, so yeah, yeah, I, I agree so, with you there. So, so I think, and also, I think, unfortunately, in the first episode, all that action, if they, if they give me six episodes of Ox Smash, I would be... They, they, they could have done that, right? But the, the creator coming out and saying, well, we can't do attorney stuff. Why can't they hire the Daredevil from Netflix if they can't write attorney stuff? Because that show was very compelling about a lawyer, you know? So yeah, think, that's true. And and also, the last thing I don't like is that um, there is no stakes. Because even Falcon, he almost lost his house. Moon Knight, he might have died. And with her... I didn't like that she got fired, and within 15 minutes, she got another better job. Like, there, was no, there is no stakes to her life, you know? There's no stakes. Well, so well, I well, can be the, happy about it. Go ahead. Well, there's a couple of things that kind of annoy me about this show, and I think you kind of touched on it, right? And I'll, and I'll say this, right? The show is seems to kind of be setting itself up to be a sitcom, but it also mm-hmm. wants to be a drama, right? Oh, and yeah. the difference between... Um, comedy and drama that somebody once told me they said that um drama is the ways that we change yeah. and comedy is the way that we stay the same and if you ever look mm-hmm. at sitcoms sitcoms usually are about at the end of each episode things stay the same like you yep. know like yep. it's like yep. somebody's gonna move out or get a new job yeah. and fresh prince is always the same house yeah yeah yeah, yeah. A, there's a lot of stasis but but dramas are supposed to have a constant a- evolution so one of the problems with shows that try to blend drama and comedy is like yeah. with a lot of them, you can't tell how much is it supposed to be changing and how much is it supposed to be staying the same. And I think that's the problem that She-Hulk is kind of having because yeah. it kind of wants to be like Ally McBeal and kind of be like a sitcom. And I think the second episode would have been a better pilot episode than the first yes. one because yes. because – just have her doing her stick. Like they got to decide, do you want to be a sitcom? So like every single week she just has a villain that she has to defend. Yeah. And then she defends the villain. That'd be yeah. cool. Or do you want to be a drama 
which like you said, if you're going to be a drama, then you got to have stakes. But yep. they, they're kind of making it feel like both, and it's ending up being neither. Because it feels like it's either a sitcom without jokes, right. or it feels like a drama without movement or, or yep. stakes. And, you know, and, and I think you're right, and I think that might be the problem, is that they're in a kind of limbo that they can't decide. And something else I'm going to say, you're right that um, why don't they get somebody who to help them who can write yes. law if they don't yeah. know law. But I'll take it one step further. Why were they even hired if they can't write law? Like, <laughs> like, Good point. Like, yes. why even, why even uh, hire them at all? Like, like, can you imagine, like, you're giving an interview about your job. I don't know what you do for a living, but say you were, like, a, a doctor or something, and, right. you know, uh, you're giving a public interview <laughs> to the public, and they just hired you. And you're like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to let you know. I don't really know much about surgery, but I'm glad they gave me a shot. Like, <laughs> You know, you would never no. say that. Like, it just seems weird that they're actually okay admitting, hey, we're not qualified for yeah. what we were hired to do, but, you know, it's okay. We should be here anyway. And it's like, it's like weird. Like, why? And, and I feel like there's almost this kind of idea, like, yeah, because we're we're women, we should be here. But yeah. I'm like, there's plenty of women who can write about law. You don't, you know, like, like yeah. being a woman doesn't automatically entitle you to this job because there's a lot of uh, women who can write legal stuff very well they could have still hired a woman but hired one that you know yeah. knew their stuff so that's just that's just weird to me yeah and 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 then just like uh, before i go like i said i think we're on the same page as far as there is so many shows about law where that means there is enough company writers disney can afford a low person but also i would also say that i like that this creator is honest so we can know the flaws because even when she yeah said, exactly when she said well the first episode, they kind of forced us to put in the fight. We only, we only didn't want the fight at the end. The way you said the second episode should be the first episode, that might be one she wanted, but then, you know, the the big shot said, no, we need some, some uh, you know, super nuts, some, some Hulk smash, which I like, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like the Hulk smash. I just thought yeah. that um, the origin, I feel like they could have mixed the origin okay. into the pilot, like by flashbacks yes. or something, you know? I yes. don't know. And no, uh, I agree. The, the Hulk smash stuff was okay, even though it didn't make sense. Like I don't know how a jeep knocks the Hulk over, but, <laughs> and also, but whatever. Before I go, how do you guys, you and Q, feel about the fourth wall stuff? But then um, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna let Q feel this one because I've been talking okay. for a while. I'm gonna, I don't wanna hog the mic. Wait, I don't, how do I feel about what now? The, the fourth, fourth wall, wall stuff where she yeah. breaks the fourth wall. Oh, I mean, like so in the She-Hulk comics, he did often break the fourth wall. Like, uh, like the She-Hulk comics are filled with. She had, she did that way before Deadpool did, and wow. uh, okay, yeah, because uh, like she was written in such a way that it was kind of like a nudge and a wink to, um, like it was it was the the writers and artists, kind of like yeah. uh, winking at the at the uh, comic book readers, like okay, we know you're reading this shit because you're horny, right? And also, like, <laughs> yeah. and also uh, keep in mind, like the reason that She Hulk existed in the first place is be- is because. Um, there was a possibility that Marvel was going to lose the property, like the whole property to CBS. Yeah. So they, they came up with She-Hulk as sort of a... Um, wait, wait, wait. I just want to clarify. It wasn't that they were going to lose the um, property. The Well, when you lose the property, do you mean lose the She-Hulk property to CBS? or No, no, the Hulk property. Because the, the, uh, the, the CBS had the Hulk show. So yeah, yeah. This, 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 their, this is what it was. Yeah. This is what it was. They weren't going to lose uh, the Hulk property, like like they had the Hulk. But this is this is what would happen. Um, any character that um, the Hulk show introduced 
they would own that character. And for some reason, I'm not sure why, but Stanley was um, con- convinced that they were going to maybe try to con- 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 one day create a spin-off character, like, like a female Hulk. And, okay. and he didn't want them to create a female Hulk and have the rights to her before they did. So he created uh, the She-Hulk to preemptively, and people don't know why he thought they were going to make a female Hulk. Um, it wasn't like someone said, hey, we're going to make a female Hulk, and he rushed out there. He just, for some reason, thought they were going to do it. So they were never in danger of losing the Hulk property. That, that's Marvel. Oh, okay, but they just, okay. no, I thought they it was just... that uh, they, I thought it was that CBS had the rights to it because uh, they were they adapted the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were doing this show, but yeah, he was just worried that they were going to create um, a oh, okay. female Hulk character, and then they would be they would be the ones who own it, and not and not Marvel. Okay. Issue was popular. Yeah, but yeah. So, but like, um, so it wasn't. It was never really like a serious, serious comic to begin with. And uh, like I said, like a lot of it was um, written with uh, like a thought in mind that it's like you're reading this because you're horny as shit, and they kind of made fun of the reader for it. Like there was a, there was a few sight gags that I actually remembered. Like one of them was when um, She Hulk was like skipping rope, and uh, the like the uh, the motion blur. Yeah. Um, from from the jump rope would like cover up her uh, would like cover up her uh, bikini top and bikini bottom. So from the point of view of the reader, it looked like she might have been naked. Uh, and there was <laughs> okay. all yeah, there was all all kinds of stuff where like on the cover of the uh, the comic or like in in the panels, she would always like make these um, fourth wall breaking gags to the reader. Yeah. So yeah, that like that wasn't a problem for me. What is a problem for me on the show is that they do it so infrequently. That I kind of forget that this is a show where the main character will break the fourth wall, so it t- it tends to come out of nowhere and then it yanks me out of the story. And, and yeah, and they don't do it frequently enough. Uh, I, I, I had something else too because I used to read the old uh, She-Hulk comics when they first um, came out, right? And this is a list of reasons why I think it doesn't work in this current context, right? The first one is um, when they used to break the fourth wall in the She-Hulk, they used to use it to do these inventive sight gags. So she would do stuff like, for example, um, she would tear the page, right? Yeah. In the book. And they would do things where you had to know the production and layout to do this. Uh, John yeah, Byrne she would, like, was yeah, one... she would like rip into the next panel. Yeah, yeah, she'd rip into the next panel. But sometimes she would rip into the page in such a way that what was under that page in the comic would show. So, for example, oh, she yeah, would, yeah, yeah. So, 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 like, what would happen is she would um, tear the page, and when she tore the page, you would see the page that was set to be underneath that page peeking out, and she would like, do it to take, oh. take a short, to take a shortcut to the next scene. So they were doing the fourth wall breaking stuff to do actual narrative breaks like she would break through the floor of the panel the comic panel to go Mm -hmm. downstairs into and another com another example something that did that if you ever watch the old bugs bunny and daffy duck cartoons where they're arguing with the cartoonist and the cartoonist erases uh daffy's mouth and then they're pulling the edges of the frame of the picture to do like they're doing inventive stuff with the actual form that Marvel and Disney are just too scared to do. Like, like they could have, for example, She-Hulk pick up a remote control and fast forward or rewind the scene if they wanted to do it the way that the comic was doing it. Like, they were doing really weird inventive stuff like that. But, and this is the reason why I think 
the She-Hulk show can't do this. And this leads to number two, why it doesn't work. The She-Hulk comic was its own thing. It didn't cross over with other Marvel books. It had a different tone. You read it by itself. You know, like um, yeah. it had guest stars from other places in Marvel, but it didn't actively cross over. So it was allowed to be whimsical and weird. But say like She-Hulk had to do a crossover with Frank Miller's Born Again or something. It would be weird. You can have like part one of this dark Frank Miller story. Then part yeah. two, she's breaking the fourth wall and laughing. And that's the second reason why I think it doesn't work here is that they made this She-Hulk in the MCU, and the MCU is one giant television series. It's like, so mm-hmm. so this is a chapter in a giant epic, so you have to believe that this thing that you're watching exists in the same universe and overall storyline as Avengers Endgame and whatever, so it's like, how can you have something that breaks the fourth wall and calls attention to how fake everything is and makes kind of light of everything in the same overall story as supposedly your most drastic drama. So, so, so you see what I'm saying? There's kind of a limit to how yeah. much fun you can poke at the whole existing structure because you firmly embedded this thing in the middle of um, your so-called serious drama. Like, they didn't mix She-Hulk, fourth wall stuff in the middle of Watchmen or in the middle of an installment of you know, um, Dark Phoenix saga or anything. So yeah, these people are doing it without a purpose. Like, they're just doing it because they want to do an Easter egg. They want to just pander to old fans that are like, hey, the comic book used to do fourth wall breaking, so we're going to do fourth wall breaking. But they're not even thinking about why did the comic do it? You know what I mean? Uh, the yeah. comic did it to, to play with the form. We're not playing with the form. The comic did it because it was in its own separate reality from all the other books siloed off but you know we're not that so we can't do that that's why i think it's so infrequent because the more frequently they do it and call attention to the whole to the fact this whole thing is um fake and silly it's going to undermine their more serious uh works and the final reason why i think it doesn't work is these type of writers and q and i always talk about this are very humorless they are very thin-skinned and humorous, these kind of social justice writers, so they can't make fun of themselves. Like, like they cannot at yeah. all take the piss out of being a oh, woman at all. Everything everything else can be made fun of, especially, yes. like, you know, like, like it, it actually um, kind of annoyed me in the first episode when they're leaping over, like, when, uh, when Bruce is, like, trying to train Jennifer on how to be a Hulk. And so they're, they're like, leaping over... Um, this huge uh, ravine and landing on a cliffside and then Jennifer just like starts like like imitating a paper going man, man. I'm like is this I'm like is this is this how is this your brand of humor is this like first of all you're a, you're a Hulk so like you're already you know like way more powerful than the average human being so why are you like imitating him being a guy doing Hulk shit when you're also doing Hulk shit and, and what was stupid was Right before that, when she did her throw that was farther than his, she just finished celebrating. So why would she make fun of him for celebrating? Like, he threw it first, she threw it farther, and she started celebrating. And then uh, yeah. he throws it farther again, and she makes fun of him. So I was like, okay, he just did the same. Like, she, like she does it a lot. Like, earlier, for example, she goes, um, yeah, you know, uh, you're the Hulk. She goes, smart Hulk. Oh, it's kind of smug to brag about yourself. 
But in the two sentences later, he's like, yeah, you know, your blood uh, healed my thing. So I'm better than you? It's like yeah. you just finished making fun of him for being smug and calm to Smart Hulk. And then like two sentences later, you're bragging that you're better than him over and over. And these writers are so humorless and unable to, like, they could point out her hypocrisy and have him make fun of her back. But A, they're too thin-skinned to make fun of themselves at all. But also, they're too buying into their own bullshit to even realize that they're making her a hypocrite or making her unlikable. So, so they're not doing it on purpose, so they can't make fun of it. But the John Byrne, she she Hulk breaking the fourth wall stuff. He would make fun of himself a lot. Like he didn't just make fun of the readers for being horny. In fact, he didn't really make fun of the readers that much for being horny. He made fun of himself for being horny. He had She Hulk yeah. calling him a horn dog and saying, "Why are you drawing me doing this stuff? Like, like burn, get a life, burn. You're a sucky writer. Like the She Hulk would." Yeah, she into... was like, she would even like write panel or uh, like there would be panels written where she was like, "Burn, are you trying to get this comic canceled?" Yeah, yeah, she she would tell the writer, I, "I'm not saying this, you know, like like this is your horny hang up. I'm not doing this and everything." And yeah. these people, can you imagine themselves not only taking the piss out of being a woman and having fun with it, you know? But the thing to understand is they can still make like like Ally McBeal. They made fun of Ally McBeal a lot, but she was still also you know, a likable character and a feminist character, the original Ally McBeal. Like, Ally yeah. McBeal wasn't like a Mary Sue, you know, um, even though they, they, this is like a tribute to Ally McBeal. Same with Mary Tyler Moore. Mary Tyler Moore didn't walk into every room and own every situation. She could be kind of neurotic and kind of crazy, but she was also like a trailblazer. But that made you relate to her that she had flaws. And these people, they don't want to admit that they have flaws, so the characters can't break the fourth wall to mock fun of them. But they can't admit the characters have flaw because the characters are just glorified avatars of themselves. That's so what it is. The yeah. fact that they can't make fun of themselves, they can't make fun of the character. So that's another reason why the fourth wall breaking to me doesn't work because the character just breaking the fourth wall to just dunk on easy targets that you know, and not themselves and not the creators. Okay, well, I, I think I'm done. I might come back later, but thank you for listening. Right? Sure, yeah. sure. Thanks. You, 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 have some, you have some great points. I really appreciate them. And, uh, yeah, so we have uh, Colonel Kobe Gaddafi. And, yeah, if anybody else wants to jump up here, by all means, um, you know, jump up. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, not too bad. Uh, first off, I will admit, uh, due to my last rant, I thought about it a little more. Yeah, you're right about a lot of the points you made about DC versus Marvel. So yeah, I, you were right. I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, okay. All right. Oh wow. I, I, on the internet, no one ever admits someone else is right. So I'm just a little taken back. They're just in the general. You're not meta supposed to do that on the internet. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor, Trevor, do I have to remind you again? Your podcast got me out of being red pilled. Anything is possible right now. Oh, yes, yeah, true. That's true. So, so, yeah, if it wasn't for this podcast, you're saying you'd be an Andrew Tate fan? Oh, hell no. Andrew Tate was where I would draw the fucking line. Andrew Tate just comes off. Andrew Tate comes off like a villain in a uh, Call of Duty game. Fuck off. You know, I still haven't watched the guy once yet. I just keep hearing about him. Uh, yeah, but but he's he's got everybody okay, this is worked a- up. No, he's awful, awful. Uh, Q will understand this joke immediately. He has the most south side of Montreal energy I've ever seen in a grown man out, outside of North America. Q knows what I mean. Uh, Q, are you there? 
I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know question. Oh, oh, no, no. He, he no. was saying that uh, Andrew Tate, it wasn't a question. He was saying Andrew Tate has the most, what is it, south side of Montreal energy? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> See, Q gets it. Q gets it. Q gets it. I told you this would be what you would get. <laughs> but, you know, all jokes aside, I think this is where I want to just say this point about She-Hulk. Can we all admit, finally, that Sex in the City is possibly one of the biggest uh, damn, one of the biggest damages to women writing women characters, just women writing overall, overall in history when that movie came, when that show came out. That show set back women be in fiction decades. Can we admit that now? Because we see um, the like level of decay just. With the show. What, what show? What show? Sex in the City. I'm gonna give a I'm gonna qualify defense of Sex in the City. Actually, wait, I'm, I'm gonna let Q go first because because you were talking. I about hate that, that show. <laughs> I know you. I know a lot. Of, a lot. I know a lot of guys hate that show, but you know what? I didn't. I didn't dislike. It. I think it was necessary for the time. At least Girlfriends was believable. At least, at least Girlfriends was believable. It's better written. I'm sorry. I'm going to say Girlfriends was better written than believable. But the, but the, the, purpose of Sex in the, City, the whole purpose of Sex in the City wasn't to be believable. The purpose of Sex in the City was to be like an outlet, I think, for uh, for women. An outlet, outlet for who? For who? What, an outlet what, for who? Q, Q. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Uh, oh, no, I was going to say, well, well, this is my thing with Sex and the City. Well, the first thing with Sex and the City is I think it's two shows. The first show is the Darren Star seasons. And I think Darren yeah. Star made a much better show. And as someone who was living in New York and, you know, just like ending college and starting to club and everything, like, it's one of the best time capsules of that. I keep forgetting it all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like that was a great capsule of that era. And when I watch it, and like this this club called Chaos, and these are like real clubs and places. And this Chaos place looked like a a sex den. Everything was blood red. And when I see that, when I see that uh, on location, like I get kind of, it's a very good time capsule of a certain time, and it's written very well. Like it's not all about the shopping, the shoes, or whatever. But when Darren Star leaves, I think it's either second season or a third season he had one or two seasons after he leaves this guy michael patrick king takes over and when michael patrick king starts he's kind of trying to make it like darren star but as michael patrick king goes on it just becomes more about malona blonics um fucking all the time um cupcakes crass materialism it's it gets worse and worse like by the time it ends it's a horrible horrible show but i still stand by the first two seasons or, or whatever seasons darren star was doing it and the beginning of michael patrick king when he was kind of forced to kind of pretend to still be darren star but i think the main thing with sex in the city i think this is the problem with sex in the city it's not really a woman's show to me i think it's a gay men's show but they pretend it's a woman's show because darren star is gay is a gay man and um, Michael Patrick King are gay men, That's and I I think they couldn't get away with doing a show about gay men in the '90s. Everything was too too kind of homophobic and everything. And they the brilliance of Sex in the City is that they took this show and they made a show about four gay men before I think it was before Queer as Folk, and tricked women into thinking it was about them. Like I don't really think it's a woman's show at all. They don't to me talk or act like women. 
they talk and act like gay men. I think that's why there's such um, F-hags all the time, because they're really uh, I don't even gay know men. people act like them. That's the thing. <laughs> Oh no, I know, I know. Well, I, I live in New York. I know a lot of. Gay I live in New York. I'm sorry. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna totally disagree with that. I actually like Sex in the City, both versions of it. And to me, is it was basically just like a, it was a power fantasy for women. And I would say that at that time, there really wasn't a lot to choose from. But like, but, I, but I guess I, I guess it's kinda, well, I must say, Darren Star's version was not a power fantasy. Like they used to fall on their face a lot. If you watch it, you kind of be surprised. I no, mean, I just want to point out that version is not so much a power fantasy. A power fantasy in the sense that, like, uh, regardless of, like, how many, like, uh, I don't know, like, how many sort of, like, personal setbacks and conflicts that they got into and whatever, like... But it's such they a weren't, boring they weren't, they weren't, fantasy. They what I'm saying is they weren't struggling to live, right? Like, their their problems entirely stemmed from their interpersonal conflicts and not from financial yes, charity, which is, like in that area of New York City, what most of your life would have been revolving around. Like, there's, yeah. there's no way that, like, an advice columnist and, like, uh, somebody who's just, like, trying to be a wife. And I, I think, like, the only character that would have been able to keep up with the kind of lifestyle that they had is Miranda. Uh, no, I want to point out, uh, Carrie could totally have made that lifestyle because uh, one, thing you, one thing you have to realize was that Media people got paid um, way more um, at that back time. Then. I don't think. No, that yes, was like that yes. was media. Uh, you be shocked, uh, uh, you be shocked. No, uh, check this out. Google this. Uh, the list, right? Had this article. The amount Candace Bushnell made for writing her Sex in the City column may surprise you. And she uh, told how much she used to make. Right now, th- this is what you said that that she made. She says. It's an interview with the New Yorker. She said, uh, I work for Vogue, writing the um, People Are Talking About column, and got paid $5,000 a month. That's in the 1990s. $5,000, 60000 a year. In the 1990s, and New York was not gentrified and expensive back then. You could... Bro, $5,000 in 1995, buddy? Jesus Christ. I had a $1,000 a month, a two-floor apartment in Clinton Hill in uh, the late 90s. Uh, that's how cheap things uh, used to be. And oh, you know what? No, you're she, right. You're right. You're right. Because uh, the series did premiere in '98. I was thinking that it premiered like somewhere, but not correct. Yeah, media now sucks. It's has gone yeah. down no, so bad. Yeah, but, yeah, she, that was dry. But, but, but just the argument was that like is that uh, I think for um, a lot of women at that time, like there wasn't really a hell of a lot on television. Uh, that would like take you completely out of like I don't know like professional concerns, uh, take you out of like financial concerns, everything else, and just focus strictly on relationships. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally, totally. Oh, uh, so I, I don't think I just want to finish one more point though because it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Before you move on, uh, well, the worse. thing I wanted she, to she, say she says she says this. She goes. The Observer paid less, but I could afford that because of Vogue. I mean, this was at a time when writers were getting a Vanity Fair contract for six pieces and $250,000 a year. People valued writing. It wasn't considered something everyone can do. Now, because of the computer, everyone has to do it, so we think everyone can do it. That's crazy. It was that, that is depressing. But that's the point uh, I'm trying to make, That's the point I'm trying to make, T. It's this show that pretty much 
I don't even have time to explain it because you have a whole show, but pretty much it's like, it's this overly, like, twee, just divorce from any sort of, like, dramatic, not even dramatic, just any sort of, like, gravity. There's no... It would take me too long to go and explain, but you think you kind of see where I'm trying to go with this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Q, you were making a point. I want to make sure you get to finish it because I cut you off. But yeah, I see what you're saying, uh, Colonel Cobra Gaddafi. I'm split on it. I think the first couple seasons were okay, and I think it got worse. And Q, the first few seasons that, that made me hate that show. I'm sorry. Those those are the seasons that made me hate it. No, that's fair. Everyone has entitled to their own uh, different opinion. And uh, yeah, Q, so you were saying that you liked the financial aspect of it that. They weren't struggling; that it was empowering in that way, and 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 what else? I want to make sure you get. Yeah, to get your no, point no, out. I was just, I was just thinking, like, uh, it, it was entirely focusing on like relationship dynamics, which I liked because you didn't really have a whole lot of shows available at that time that showed it from the women, like from a woman's perspective. So, was it realistic? Like, no. Was it annoying at times? Yeah, it certainly could be. Was it racist occasionally? I mean, yeah, but. I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I, I'll take that over just about anything we have right now. Like, I'll take that over Judo ten times. Uh, I'm sorry, but I have to say no. I mean, that's that's fine. It's your opinion. I'm just saying that. Like, it was, it was, it was. I don't know. It was it was way more well written. The characters had a lot more interiority, and they were also like body. So, so before we move on, before we move on, COVID. Uh, before we move on, uh, Colonel Cobra Gaddafi, I just wanted to know, do you think that the She-Hulk is not good because it's uh, too reminiscent of Sex in the City so far? It feels like... What do you think is better than that? What I feel like it's written by people who really, really like the show in the terms of its like writing style. Like, it's it's kind of like when you can watch a show and or a movie and you know that, oh, this person clearly likes um, Aaron Sorkin. You, you see what I'm trying to say? Like, there's, there's, yeah, there's for, those yeah, types sure. of, It's like that. I'm like, that type of writing irritates me to no end. No, I could, I could definitely see it. It's not for um, everyone, for sure. But yeah. Like, uh, it's just terrible. For- yeah, uh, thanks for doing that. No, Sorkin actually made writing better. Please and thank you, Sport Profit. Ooh, that's a strong statement that Aaron Sorkin made things better, but, you know, we'll have to talk about that in another show. Cause I uh, Aaron, Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> to me, Aaron Sorkin was like the death of television. He was the, he was the, actually, he might have killed politics more than he killed television, sadly. <laughs> he, he, he yeah, is, he's, well, I mean, yeah, I he, think like, he's bad, no, he's bad I, to no. both. He was bad to both. Yeah, exactly. He, he, uh, his uh, terrible, like his worst aspects, bled into both. You're right. Hey, uh, Hirotsu, how's it going? Uh, if you want to unmute, you go to the bottom right. Hello. Oh, there we go. Hey, what's going on, man? Yes, uh, chilling, man. So I was just uh, some somebody like came to my door at the exact time. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Uh, the Murphy's Law. Um, yeah, yeah. Just uh, a conversation about sex in the city. Um, I just wanted to, uh, just to point out, like, that that show is still huge today with um, young college-age uh, women. It's ma- still massive. I don't know why, um, but it's, like, a massive show. 
because I, I work at a, at a university and it's like everybody watches Sex in the City um, in, 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 in Japan. I don't know about the states. Do, but, uh, do you think that do you think that they're into it because they're like um, not as far along on like the um, feminist uh, yeah. train, or do you, or do you think do you think they get something totally different out of it? Because like for example, I noticed with England, right? There's certain things that they get into. For example, the black UK people I notice are always a year or two behind whatever weird intersectional trend we have going on you know so they're on the same they're on the same um pathway but just further behind but i know in some countries people like something for a totally different reason like they're on a different pathway they just get something totally different out of the same cultural phenomenon and i was wondering i don't know if the question makes sense what i'm asking you but i, I just want to know if they're getting the same thing out of it today that people in america were getting from it 15 years ago or if it means something totally different in the japanese context i guess is the best way to ask it yeah man, that's a really good question like i'm not a woman and i'm not japanese so i can't i can't give a, a definitive answer but just with, with working with that age group for a number of years um i would say it's kind of like a a longing for that kind of life because like maybe there's something that they aspire to to do in Tokyo, I guess, or something like that. I think, um, so, so yeah, I think what ends up happening though, is they enjoy the first few seasons, but then like, as the women get, like, as they progressively age, um, I think a lot of the, the, the young people lose interest because they're like, why, why aren't they getting married? Like, <laughs> what's going on? What's yeah. Going on? I mean, I mean, I think some of them did get married in the show as it goes, but I think also, when they do get married, it loses part of its fun because, uh, to be honest, like um, uh, marriage and kids is just not a very sexy and responsibility. Just not a very sexy thing, you know. It's um, it's it's a lot of responsibility and a lot of stuff because um, people on TV shows in general, when characters get married, they always feel like it's a uh, the will they won't they dynamic is fun. But when they get together and they gotta build a life, then people get bored with it and stuff and. Yeah, so um, I do believe some of the characters did get married and settle down and have kids and everything. But at that point, the show just kind of gets dead. My wife watches the reboot, and they're all like older and like more mature. It's just, it's just depressing, <laughs> like you know, it's just seeing them be like middle aged and you know, there's no escapism anymore. It's just like you know, diapers and bills and custody battles and. And stuff like that. It's like okay, I, I'm good. Also, like, wasn't like, weren't they like bullying one of the, uh, like one of the best act actresses on the show <laughs> that she didn't return or something? Oh yeah, yeah. And she was, she was like really the best one, uh, Samantha. Uh, you know, you know, to go back to She-Hulk, right? Um, like, like Sex in the City, they used to have like their their drawbacks and their mistakes, and like you know, Carrie used to mess up a lot and stuff and they weren't just like perfect like by the end of the show they got a little too perfect but at least there's a sense of earning it and something that i don't understand about these social justice writers and they're like this like with a lot of things right like you get in trouble for calling characters like you know mary sue's or whatever but the sad thing is they write a lot of mary sue characters like okay if you watch the first iron man right 
there's a montage scene that seems to be taking place, I don't know if it's weeks or months, but he's just learning how to fly. And I don't know if you guys remember, he's in the garage, and he boosts, and he slams into a wall and fucks himself up. And they have to show him over and over again trying to fly until he finally gets good enough to test drive outside. Uh, but yeah, he can't fly right away. He keeps fucking up. He has to keep tweaking the armor. He has to keep doing whatever. And, you know, they had the scene in Spider-Man where he's learning to jump and use the webs and he swings into a wall at one point and whatever. And the difference with characters like Ray from the new Star Wars or Horrible. these other characters. Yeah, and a bunch of these other characters, and this happened with She-Hulk too, she gets everything instantly. And she, of course, does it better than the men. And even men don't want male characters to not earn their thing. You know what I mean? They want to see them train. That's... They want You want to see the Rocky montage. You know, you want to see him. And sometimes you want to see the person lose a couple of times just so that the winning is better. And I don't know why these people keep thinking that it's that the way to show equality, create a, f- a compelling female character, it's to have her do everything effortlessly. I know why. You know, I know, and... I know exactly why, man. Oh, 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 so please share, because I, I would love to know why myself. Because that's all they know, man. They're, they're like rich, they're kids of rich people, or they, they just like have been handed so much that they don't know what 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 a journey is that that's that's my opinion oh that makes a lot of sense because you're right the class thing is different because even back in the days when they had uh women writers they were not necessarily of this same kind of ivy privileged you know nepotism class as these people because these people's careers are kind of like um you know playing with a cheat code if you ever look at like uh i brought this up i brought this up with the guy who wrote um, the guy who wrote Doctor Strange 2, how he just did one episode of Rick and Morty and suddenly they give him a, the keys to like a billion dollar franchise and, and it's like, what? You know, and this woman too wrote one episode of Rick and Morty, uh, the, the Pickle of Rick episode, which at least was a good episode. And uh, But I also maybe wonder the fact that she worked on one episode of Rick and Morty and this guy worked on one episode of Rick and Morty, did one of them help the other one get a job? So it's like, yeah, these people... Uh, you know, everyone's talking about identity in terms of class and race, but I'm sorry, in terms of race and gender and whatever, but class is important too. And, you know, if their own careers were kind of cheat code careers and um, maybe it's writer characters don't have a, you know, similar think, type of struggle. I suppose someone like, yeah. say, Sylvester Stallone, who was a starving artist, who was, you know, was uh, demoralized and ready to kind of give up when he wrote. Uh, Rocky, and a lot of his pain and frustration is in, you know, that first Rocky. Yeah, he was he was like in soft porn. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he had to do like soft core porn. He was getting that desperate. Yeah, that's um, a great point. But I, yeah, I just want to point out real quick too, just the, I guess two things, and I'll, I'll jump off. But uh, I think that's why the um, new Predator movie Prey got got so much like props because they actually showed the kind of Mary Sue character like, like practicing and, and, and like working on her uh, her, her craft uh, and like oh and if she's working on her craft and she's not a Mary Sue at all even she's just she's just a woman yeah yeah and they, yeah. yeah so that I think that's why I did so I mean you know it could have been a better movie but yeah it was I, I enjoyed it um, and then for like the uh, the, the she-hole um, 
it's it's it has to be the dumbest show um, I've seen in a in a long time because um, somebody I think your mic's on. The, I, I, I can't. I don't know. If I'm uh, is it is it me? Uh, let That's me turn. You, so I don't know what's going on in the background there, bro. But uh, yeah. It, oh, I'm not doing anything, bro. I'll turn off the mic. I don't know what what sound is happening. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a big difference. Um, Very but good, uh, yeah. um, yeah, like just with with the uh, with <laughs> the She-Hulk, it's it's. I, I I don't know if it's because the episodes are so short. Like I think it's gonna be like nine or eight episodes, and like. It doesn't have to be that long because they're only like 20 minutes or something long, like 25 minutes. So, like, I feel that's also taking away from the show. Like, I think they, they could have done the show in five episodes. Like, Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, say, I'll say one more thing. I'm going to say something good about the show, right? There's moments where I see what this show could be if it could just get out of its way with its dumb you-go-girlness, Right. Uh, like the scene, I just wish it just short of being a great lawyer and not just constantly like complaining about you know. Or if you're gonna complain about, okay, here's here's two scenes that I like in, in well, I'll take three scenes in general. The scene where she's rebuilding the bar with um the Hulk with Bruce. So the two of them yeah. just sitting there rebuilding the bar. I thought it was kind of funny. It was like in an absurd way. Like you just see these two big Hulks putting a bar back together, like moments like that. I, I like. I'd rather see her bonding with Bruce like that, rebuilding the bar, than you know her doing like, oh, so I'm so I'm better than you, or you know I don't need you. I'm perfect. I am the perfect Hulk, and you know I get catcalled, and that's more harder than your life. And you know like, um, I'd rather see like stuff like that. The part where she's visiting, wait, the part with the male associate in the firm. This one I thought was a good fun scene making fun of men where he says, oh, you just became a Hulk so that you could upstage me at the firm. Like something absurd like that, that actually made me laugh. I, I will admit. Like I was like, okay, that's funny. And I thought if you played the character like a goofball like that instead of before where he just wasn't funny, he was just a jerk. You know, like he would just be like, oh, uh, you're a girl. You can't do law or whatever. It's like, okay, this is just annoying. But when you put, when you poke fun of the men with a sense of humor and whatever. I was like, okay, this, I think is a funny taking the piss out of uh, self-centered men and whatever. And then the third part I liked was when she was doing the law stuff with uh, the abomination, <coughs> excuse me, the abomination, Emil Blonsky. And I was like, okay, this could be fun if every week you have to see her working with a different client, you know, and some of the jokes were a little too cutesy, like the haikus, but compared to the rest of the show, I'm like, this at least has potential over, you know, the parts where she's breaking the fourth wall just to complain about, you know, men like, you know, and the glass ceiling and stuff. So yeah, yeah, those are the three parts that I would say I liked in the show. Yeah, can I can I ask one, one, one question to the to Oh the yeah, audience? go ahead. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll jump off. Um, so she has this kind of like paralegal, like sidekick that reminds me of that lady from that TV show with the weird, with the weird voice. Um, what was her name? Like Nan Anne or something? What was that lady's TV show? She was like a nanny. Oh, um, oh, oh, oh! oh you talking about, you're talking about uh, the, the Latina friend friend Russia she has? Yeah, yeah. She, she's not actually she, friend Russia. I, I don't know if you think she's friend Russia, but she's not. But she's eerily yeah. like her. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like they they try to like play on that, but. Is 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 that like a real thing for women to have like this kind of 
like yes like girlfriend it seems so derivative not derivative it seems so um like like patronizing and like insulting it's part of that it's part of that bad writing of that mary soonest like they can't just write her being a good character and show not tell because that would take you know skill so they just have another character just tell you the first character well is it it's two problems first the fact that the character is so awesome that's the only personality is to be awesome like her only personality trait is to just be great at everything she does but number two they can't even convincingly write her being great because everything she actually does to me is actually annoying but all the characters keep saying that she's great like so she'll be actively being like like when she's telling off bruce like bruce saw his father kill his mother um he tried to kill himself multiple times and he couldn't do it because the Hulk kept spitting out the bullet. He mentioned in the Avengers how he was mad all the time, and he has all these actual problems. And his whole personality, his whole thing was about how he had to meditate, try to do all this stuff to control his anger, right? And she's lecturing him about how she has it so hard because she gets um, catcalled, and she has, it, she has to manage her anger so much more than Bruce does. And Bruce just sits there and is like, Mm, he's nodding. Mm, yeah, you're right. You know, and it's like, oh my god, you can't even like. I don't have a problem with her being better at being the Hulk than Bruce, but have her earn it somehow and have it be like plausible without just butchering the character. Like, like I was telling, like in the comic book, she has the same superiority in being able to control the Hulk, but they're able to make it make sense without having to do some cheesy you go girl stuff what, what, what they do is this they say okay the hulk bruce banner had to suppress his anger his whole life because his father abused him and he wouldn't let him stick up for himself and the father killed the mother and bruce and and bruce had to sit there and take it and and he had to learn to suppress all his rage and everything so when he became the hulk he lets out all that rage he suppressed his whole life, right? But the reason why um, Jennifer Walters, when she's the Hulk, doesn't have that split personality is because she grew up well-adjusted. She um, didn't have an abusive household, so she was able to... to she had to suppress her emotions, so you can still have her be better than like, Bruce. She has but, a nice, if somewhat, like, great but, like, her family, why? Her daddy... <laughs> loving and supportive the most you could say is that he i don't know asked her to carry too many water jugs into the house whereas Bruce, bruce's dad like as a toddler used to beat on him yeah exactly and like but there's, there's, you can do... there's actually a, a comics panel with bruce's dad backhanding like uh uh backhanding like little diaper wearing bruce Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it's really brutal, dark uh, stuff. And the way that you can have her be better, but still make it a feminist moment, is you can say, "Oh, instead of doing this dumb, oh, because I get catcalled, that's to manage my anger so much better than you, you know, who's been like beating your whole life." They could say, uh, "Because you men keep your emotions in, because you have to be macho, but women are able to make connections, uh, relate to each other." And are able to have emotional intelligence, you know, we don't have to suppress so much of, of our anger, but toxic masculinity makes you men. So, so you can still have a feminist point, but it still would have made sense within the context. Like, oh, 
being a woman does help her control being a Hulk better, but it's because she doesn't hold back her feelings as much. She has a support network of emotional things that she grew up with. She, you know, has more emotional in, intelligence. But yeah, this thing doesn't is not a really thoughtful show. They're just making cheap points, even if they don't make sense in the big picture. Um, I wanted to go to Geo, but he disappeared. I don't know what happened. He's go- is he gone on your end or just something? Yeah, yeah, he's gone. And uh, Gabby was there too. I was wanted to hear what they had to say. Yeah, I don't know if you guys got kicked out. Yeah, I don't know if you got kicked out, but it was not us kicking you out. So if you guys want to come back, okay, Geo's back. And uh, Gabby, if you're still out there, please um, come back because I really want to hear a female viewpoint, a, a woman's viewpoint on this, on this show, positive or negative. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask, so like, how would you guys like write female character in like 2022? Because like, I feel like, like, I guess post 2015, right? Like, if you want to do like the hero's journey, like female character, like they're, they're either like a Mary Sue character or they're like maybe the Doug Daenerys in like Game of Thrones. Like, it's, it's either or. Like, it's either like a P. Mersu or a Daenerys. I didn't mind. I didn't mind uh, Daenerys. Uh, did you have a problem with her? I liked in the beginning. No, I no. Mean... I feel like I think I think it's a better. I think it's a better version. Uh, like a better way of doing like a Mary Mersu character, right? At least she like earned it, right? Yeah, she totally earned it. And she had a lot of setbacks. Yeah, she she had a lot of setbacks yeah, too. And like I was just saying, like 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 like, like a hero's like, journey like type character like Daenerys versus like uh like well like uh. What was the Star Wars like character? Like what? Like what? What's in Ray from Star Wars? Like those characters are like completely different characters. Like, one actually like had to go through it. Like had to like had to, had to actually like grow as a character within the story, and one was given given everything. And that's, that was, that was yeah, I totally agree. I really liked um, before they kind of botched it at the at the end. Uh, I thought they really did Daenerys really. I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's a great example of a female character. Uh, the Black Widow, I mean, even in the same franchise, like, like everybody lo- loved the Black Widow, you know, and um, she, she, was, she, was she was like, like she was really like, a hero. Yeah, she was, she was, she was she, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't really a heroine, but, but once she joined like the good guy side, she was interesting at least, you know. She, she had... Yeah, yeah. There's just something about these type of Mary Sue characters who are so clearly. I mean, I feel like these are the kind of women who um, still think about Hillary Clinton every single day. Uh, like it's not a day that goes by that they don't think about her and 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 miss her. Like these type of women, they write these characters as themselves, but nobody likes these types of um, people. Like like they just um, like I was calling her Karen Hulk. Like she's just a total Karen and. This is like the worst time to be a Karen in cultural history. I've I've never seen the cultural war. I mean, it's so... not going to age well. It's not going to age well at all. Oh no, it's like, not. Like, I mean, there's there's well. no people way. Like Karen's, people like Karens now. Forget about age, aging nah. well. It's not even present like all these well. shows, right? Like I don't think all these all these shows like currently now, like like I don't I don't think they're going to age all that well because like, I don't because I can't like this this era. It's pretty forgettable, like like overall. Like I don't like there's no there's nothing special about it. Like it's pretty it's all forgettable pretty much. Like there's nothing really interesting about it at all. Like it's probably the most like 
boring, uninteresting, like at like times and like like art and like like writing, etc. Like I don't think it's nothing. Oh, oh yeah, and it's bigger than it's it's bigger than Marvel. I mean, if you're on the same page I'm on, uh, which I, I think you are, like you're seeing this whole cultural moment in general is just very forgettable, right? Yeah, like it's whole culture. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying like it's. There's nothing like there's nothing interesting to me like at all about this. Like even writing sucks down. Writing like boring. Like there's nothing interesting like to be anymore. Like I mean, like all, like, all I do every day is, is like reread old stuff from like back at like from, like like a long time ago. Like I don't I don't like anything new. Like I don't ever do that. Like I don't watch and, new and, movies. And makes, I watch old. Movies. And it makes sense because even the new stuff is just ripping off or paying homage to yeah, old stuff. because like, even this thing. Most of it is just rewritten old comics, but just rewritten badly in a Mary Sue kind of way, you know? So it's like, why not just read the old stuff again? I'm sure the sales of all the old She-Hulk comics are going to shoot through the roof, and people are going to probably enjoy those more than um, this. That's that's for sure. Uh, you know something else I thought about with, with her character? And this is another way that this is a perfect example of how these characters are just doubles of the writers uh i've talked about this with q and in previous episodes like with the felicia sunmez episode about how these kind of new creatives these new progressive exclusive creatives are weirdly pro-corporate in a way that liberals and progressives and stuff used to not be like back in the days as recently as even like the 90s everything was core even as recent as the 2000s everything corporate was selling out being a liberal was about distrusting corporate and now all these like progressive so-called um uh, uh, class warriors all this stuff all they want to do is work for like, a big platform or a big corporation and it's the reactionaries and right-wing people now who are crowdfunding being anti-corporate or or whatever and this is kind of thing where uh people want to be noticed by corporations they want to be co-signed by corporations they so want to be mainstream and, and platformed. And the She-Hulk was even like that because I was like, okay, she's a lawyer. If she can't get a job, right, why don't you just open her own firm? She has the She-Hulk gimmick, which I think, you know, I mean, that made no sense. Like, why would a, a, a super villain busting into a courtroom, which she didn't bother explaining, and about to straight murk a whole jury, why would your lawyer turning to a Hulk and stopping a supervillain saving God knows how many lives, uh, why would that be a liability? Like, it made zero sense, especially because they undermined their own point 15 minutes later by having someone else hire her just because she's a great um, story and a great, you know, um, Gimmick, so like, yeah, it made zero sense to me, right? That you know, that would happen, but um, it never occurs to them to have She-Hulk just open her own firm, you know. And she didn't have to do it. She can, they can give her a reason. Like she can say, "Hey, my student loans are too much, or I didn't save up enough capital to do it." But it's not even they don't even bother bringing it up, even to dismiss it in story. It's just a given. She needs to have a place. Um, to work at she or she's nobody you know like like and that just didn't make sense to me it didn't make sense to me that it's not even a consideration that she can strike out on her own but to them 
to that crowd, it's kind of self-evident because they never, ever think of breaking out on their own to do anything, even to create their own IP. Like, even when they work for a corporation, most of the time, they wouldn't want to work on other people's stuff. They never want to take a risk and create their own um, totally brand new character that's a sink or swim on, on their own, you know? Well, well, I yeah, go ahead. Okay, one question. So, like, how would you like, like, how would you see, like, uh, well, like, what's the what's the Daredevil? Like, Daredevil next, like, what's the next squirrel? I think coming out. I think so. Like, do you think like that uh, uh, we're gonna see like these uh, uh, uh microaggressions with like within within the show? Like, like written like written thoughts about like I don't know, like ableism and like disability stuff and like and, 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 like. I think it's going to be tough because he's still a cis straight white man. So his 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 handicap his his handicap is not going to be enough to outweigh that because um in the thought of this kind of person being a straight white man is like almost a superpower that outweighs anything like uh so I think what they might do is give him a scrappy cuz all these shows kind of are giving the main white guys uh scrappy so he might have like a ethnic mentee, maybe that they they they, they introduce that's also um, handicapped, but she's also like a woman and she's also a minority, so she's like. I mean, Karen could be that. Like Karen was almost that. Like, yeah, she's still she's, she's still a white she's still a white woman though, and the white woman still needs somebody to be a scrappy too because um um. Scarlet Witch had to have Monica as a, as a scrappy because otherwise she'd just be Karen. So I, I think she's, she's literally named Karen too. She's a white woman named Karen. It was already so Dawson. Was already Dawson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, we was already Claire? Dawson. But, but, but Claire but was that. Was it Claire? Almost could have been that when they wanted to. I, I think what they're gonna have, they're gonna have some kind of person who's also handicapped, but is maybe queer, ethnic, and disabled. You know, disabled and a female, and she was like, yeah, Matt, you know, you have a handicap, but picture me, I have three handicaps. I'm a minority, I'm queer, and I'm uh, in, the, in the wheelchair. You ever think about that? And then Matt would be looking at the floor, like, yeah, I didn't think about that, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's like, you think your superpower is, you know, your radar sense, but have you ever thought maybe it's your whiteness, your maleness, your ability to move through the world, you know, with privilege, and, you know, I think they're going to need... They have to have it, but not with him as the beneficiary of it, you know, uh, because I think he's still. Oh yeah, hold on. Man. I wait, I forgot. Like, if you I, actually, if you actually saw, um, well, like, what, like, what do you call that show? Um, with uh, with uh, with um, uh, I forgot, I forgot his name. Shit. Uh, with, with, with the guy with the arrow. Guy with the guy with the arrow. What's his name? Um, oh, Hawkeye. He, Yes, yes. There is an, there is a Native American character with in the in the show. Uh, I forget her name. I forget I forget the name. Um, oh. Uh, it was. Oh, oh I didn't see the show, but I but I know the character. Her name is Echo. Yes, Echo. Yes, she's uh she's what is she she has she lost her arm. I uh, yeah she I think she's gonna be in the she's she's going to be in the series. I'm pretty sure. And she like I guess she killed Fitz. Yeah, she killed Fitz. So she's already like big in the, like in the story, and I think she's gonna be in the, in the, in the next series, pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she's she's definitely she's definitely getting her own series even. Uh, she's gonna be like a Facebook or yeah. something. 
Yeah, so, think, so yeah. yeah, that that'll be that'll be interesting uh, for sure. But um, we'll yeah, uh, th- thanks, Gio. I'm just gonna move on to uh, Colonel Corbett Gaddafi, and then uh, back to uh, Hirotsu. But yeah, uh, thanks, and as usual, you're welcome to come back, come back up if you have anything else to say. Um, hey, how's it going, Colonel? How you feeling? Uh, I'm alright. Uh, how do I sound? How do I sound? A little bit muffled, but I can make you out fine. Hold on. How about now? Uh, I think you sound. I think you sound worse, actually. I I might be yeah, wrong, but I think what you had going on before is actually better. Also, Q, are I you still you. there? I'll make sure you're still here. I haven't heard you in a while. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. <clears throat> the point I wanted to make really point real quick was this honest question that I wanted to ask both of you. And this is just it's just sort of a like mind cast to the future. What exactly do you think will be the thing that actually like not even with Marvel, just this whole cultural moment, right? What do you think actually brings this kind of shit to the actual end? Like remember when there was an actual like Culturally, we knew it was the end of, like, you know, the Bush era and all that shit, and we were, like, now, like, what do you think will be that moment as far as culture? You know what I mean? I, I think that something catastrophic is going to have to happen. Uh, catastrophic either, in terms of? It's either going to have to be, like, some sort of social and slash political catastrophe, like an all-out shooting war breaks out uh, to, like, snap us out of the sort of the, like the cultural lethargy that we're in right now because I think everybody understands you mean, you mean like what, you mean like what Quebec always wants to try and do every four years no what are you talking about Quebec hasn't tried to separate for a long time no I think that it's, it's more like uh, like if an actual war breaks out I think it'll probably snap us out of this cultural lethargy or I think um, it's kind of already coming down the pike um, at WB Discovery anyway where David Zaslav is basically just like doing the. Um, I think what he's doing is cost cutting to make uh, WB attractive to a seller. So I don't think it's it's for the purpose of trying to make WB necessarily profitable or creative again. I think he's trimming the fat so that he can sell it off to another entity. But I think that, um, like, I don't know. It's, it's going to have to come to a point where people understand that it's just like it's not. Just because it's profitable doesn't mean it's enjoyable or even good. I, I think where we are, like, in terms of entertainment, is that the creative industry is so creatively bankrupt that, like, all it looks to is numbers and not whether, like, stories are actually enjoyable to either make or consume, like, to watch, read, listen to, etc. So you, know, you had, like, I, I like what you, you put that as a point there, Q, because you, you had studio execs. Once, but like yes, you as X, but throughout the history of film, that understood like films have to be profitable, but you still have to enjoy making the films and you have to enjoy watching the films. And now, like film has become such a joyless, rote experience that I, I don't know. I think like if we look back on this period of time in about fifteen or twenty years, we're going to see this as being one of the lowest points in film history. And I, it's yeah, going to take something drastic of, to snap us out of that. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to like ask. Like, what do you think that's going to be? Is what I'm saying. 
Like, and I wish I had an answer to that question. I don't know. Like, like I said, like it, it's going to have to be something drastic, either like outside of film and entertainment altogether, or you know, studios are just going to have to end up going bankrupt. I, I, I don't know. Because right now, what the second one actually scares me more than the first. What we're dealing with is basically just this like this long conveyor belt of utter cruel. That's like that's why we have this show. Like the only way the indicator uh, that's going to tell you that we've popped out of that moment is when a show like this is no longer necessary. Uh, uh, something else that I think is going to be, um, you know, what I think is happening right now. I think right now, um, there was there was this thing that was happening where people were treating movies like venture capital and startups where it's like okay we're just gonna throw money at shit and not expect a profit like that blood as, as, as long as we're getting Google? as long as we're getting growth like we're gonna do the growth model and you know grow at all costs and once you grow and dominate and you know you you win the growth game then you can worry about the profits later like amazon but the money dried up before they got to that point so now they kind of realize okay we can't do do the growth game so what are we going to do? But everybody's kind of, I think, afraid of being the first person to really go in on ditching the woke stuff and admitting it doesn't work. Because the, I think they're very afraid of being canceled and calling these people's bluffs, like the social justice type. So I think what's happening now is Zaslav is basically a crash test dummy, I think, to the industry. They're like, we're going to watch this motherfucker and see what he does. And if he gets away with this and even worse, becomes profitable, we're going to follow suit. So the Batgirl thing, I think, is something that people are like, oh, I think we could do that. We can cancel a movie with an Afro-Latina that was already completed, you know, in this world climate and still survive and whatever. And if the market rewards him and if he survives and if people get over it, then I think that's what's going to get really bad. Uh, if, uh, if Warner Brothers Discovery actually gets any type of success, um, with this, and I think there's two people watching. I think the actual social justice types are watching because they're like, "Oh my God, if he calls our bluff, and we actually prove that we can't, and actually proves that we can't cancel him, you know, and kind of shows that we're just a bunch of hot air, um, we're scared for that." And then the the other suits are like, "If Zaslav pulls this off, man, we're gonna start doing our own bloodbath, and we, and we can't, and plus they're almost gonna have to anyway, even if they don't want to." To stay competitive, you know, if he trims the fat, the same way when everybody else was growing, they felt they had to grow because it was like, okay, we can't risk falling behind in, ca in case this growth at all cost strategy works. Like, like you might think as a corporate person, okay, choosing growth over profits is stupid, but at the same time, you're afraid to be the one person to not go along with it just in case it does work. And then you're left holding the bag. So you almost feel obligated to go along. Similarly, if WB Discovery does their thing of cutting fat, saying, fuck, you know, agendas or whatever, who's care about profitability and uh, all this stuff, and it works, everyone's going to feel compelled to do the same thing just to stay competitive, whether they want to or not. So I think that's going to be uh, very interesting to see. I think he's a crash test dummy uh, right now. And, and that's what I kind of think that that's what it kind of is, but I, my kind of guess is the two <clears throat> two theories of what might actually be the end. This is the low end theory I have, and the most ridiculous scenario I can think of theory is the second one. Low end theory I think might what happen is I don't know. Uh, 
Clint Eastwood makes another one last Dirty Harry and gets an Oscar for it, and then just dies. That's the lowest I think I could go with it, as far as like how ridiculous it would be, as far as what would end that cultural moment. And at the highest point, I don't know. Texas and California secede, and Texas becomes like a the South Africa of North America war. You get where this is going. That's the most ridiculous one. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure what you mean by that. Like that's the most ridiculous one. You said like there'd be like short of a shootout or like round war shootout. You oh said, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, I'm saying like that's what yeah. I'm saying is the most ridiculous yeah. version of that. I picked no, that as the most. To snap us, no, what's going to be necessary to snap us out of this cultural lethargy is like, like there's, I don't know. Something so Oh no, there's a lot of space between at, my two points. There's a yeah, lot no, of space. We'll have to like look at what we're consuming and what we're thinking about on a day to day basis and be like, wow, this is really stupid. So I I, I don't know. Barring that I don't know, man. I would say that I'm not really sure what'll uh I'm not sure what's gonna stop us out of this, to be honest. I don't know, man, but if I start seeing dudes dressed like actual superheroes again, like cry like they did in like the mid 2000s, I'm getting guns. I don't give a shit. The yeah, world's yeah. ended. That was a, that was That's a side. Jesus is about to come back. Fuck this. <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely a weird trend, uh, for sure. But yeah, I'm gonna move Bro. on to um, Hiroto. Yeah. I move on to Hiroto. Uh, thank you. Uh, you were saying something at the end, but I had already started to move to move on. But you know, as usual, as goes to everybody, you're welcome to come to come back up. I just wanted to keep it keep it moving. If nobody comes up after Hiroto, then we'll just end it with Hiroto. But yeah, so. How you feeling, man? Uh, what have you had time to ponder and reflect on since your last time up here? Yeah, yeah, just um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, yeah, I guess uh, comment on um, what uh, uh, Gaddafi was saying um, about like what 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 is gonna be like the Titanic moment, right? Because that's that's what the Titanic happened, right? Like, you know, they pushed things to the to the limit they didn't follow any of the 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 basic practices um you know the lifeboats were all leaking and shit so i think um we're at that kind of moment now of just trying to make money and trying to not we but like the companies are just trying to trying to trying to as you said like just make maximum profit and uh i think that is the 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 issue i think with q mentioned right like like people aren't making movies they're making products and you said t like this everything is seen as this kind of startup business, you know, just like pump, pump and dump. Like, okay, yeah, okay, let's just make uh, make this person, you know, just some token or whatever, and then you know, people might go see it. They might not. Doesn't matter. You know, we we made profit. So I think what's going to happen is is um, you know, basically what you guys are kind of what you said. T is like the the crash test dummy. Dummy. Like people are going to get bored bored of it. You know. Um, yeah, we, we have She-Hulk, we had, you know, fucking uh, Natalie Portman, a.k.a. Um, the princess, whatever the hell her name was from the Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but like, I think like, who, who, like, I don't give a fuck about Nat- Natalie Portman. Like, nobody gives a fuck about, you know, these, like, like, that was such a, like, a, a, a dumb, <laughs> like, I forgot she, ex- I, f- I forgot she was, she existed. You know, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Like, she had her shine in Star Wars. You know, that was, like, her thing. And then she transitioned out of this to do, like, more of a, 
career thing, you know, whatever. And then she's back doing, you know, these kind of sci-fi movies. I think everybody's just going to get tired of Marvel. Um, social justice thing, I think, you know, is kind of on its last leg. Like, I think gaming, um, kind of rambling right now, but I'll bring it in. I think, like, gaming kind of is the canary in, 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 in the coal mine for, for a lot of media. Um, and, you know, I think this kind of started with with Gamergate. Gaming, um, gaming is, but I think comics is more so. Like, Gamergate came true, true. and kind of went. The gaming started it, but for some reason, I think it burned too hot and it, fl- and it flamed out. But the Comicsgate discourse has quietly, I think, been more influential. I think because it's managed to kind of stay underneath the radar beyond a lot of people's um, notice. And that's kind of, I think, has had a way bigger uh, effect. It's, it's very bizarre. I'm, I'm always um, sending Q uh, links, and now he started sending me links about all this weird stuff that happens in the comics area first, because it's like the wild west there, you know, because no one really cares what happens there. So that people get away with like all this bad stuff that we're seeing now in these horrible phase four stories was all stuff that was happening in Marvel comics. Like about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago during this phase they had called Marvel now and all these people and their ideas failed upwards and and the writing was on the wall during uh, those years. And it's, and it's, so, yeah, I agree with you that, that Gamers Gate was where it all started. But I think the comic stuff is even more, more influential as far as how long it's been um, happening. I, I don't I'm know why Gamers Gate burned out so fast. I'm surprised they're making the same mistakes, though. I, that's the part that, that kind of perplexes me. Well, it's it's part of their hubris because this is how they think. I was I was having a conversation with somebody about this. Uh, Kenny, uh, co-host of my podcast, and we were like, "Why do they keep fucking up but failing upwards?" And part of the and I think this is a problem with liberalism in in general, right? Is this kind of idea that progress is inevitable and you just need a big enough bullhorn or platform? to push it on people and they'll see that it's good for them, you know? So this is kind of idea that when things fail, it fails because they didn't have a big enough bullhorn and yeah. not because uh, someone is incompetent or, you know, it was a bad idea because um, in their mind, they're thinking that they're just preaching anti-racism, feminism or whatever, but they don't really see that, what they're kind of preaching is a certain brand of that stuff that even a lot of people on the left aren't necessarily um, crazy about that, that neoliberal, they don't see the neoliberalism as the problem. You know, they don't think of themselves as neoliberal shills. They think of themselves as like, like when um, a lot of these people defend the shows, they'll say stuff like, Oh, so I guess you just hate anti-racism, you know, or I guess you just hate feminism. It's like, no, I just don't really like your neoliberal um, materialistic, you know, yeah. bourgeois n- nonsense, but you know they don't see it that way. So what I think kind of happens is this is this is how they think. It, and tell me if this makes sense. This is what Kenny, Kenny and I were saying. We were saying that they think um, to a normal person, this is what they would say. They would say the Marvel movies, where at Phase Two or Phase Three, are doing gangbusters. Critical acclaim is great audience acclaim is great everything is great it's making money the comics are doing sucky 
we should make the comics more like the movies, make the dog wag the tail. But this is how these people actually think. And it's, it's kind of weird, but it's different. What they think is, okay, the comics are doing shitty, but they're doing bad, not because of incompetence, but because the ideas are too forward thinking. And the comic readership is just a bunch of incel assholes. So it's never going to get over with them because they're a bunch of cis white reactionary live in the basement, virgin asshole pieces of garbage. But um, the movies are doing good. Since the movies are doing so good, they'd be a great place to try ideas on a bigger platform where they can reach so-called normal people because normies will love this. It's not working in a small scale because it's a bunch of incels, but they don't realize that it's not working in a small scale because they're untalented. So what happens is they keep moving up to bigger platforms and the normies hate it too for the same reason the small people hated it. You guys can't write. This is a bunch of Karen bourgeois nonsense, you know? And then just think, okay, so you know what? There's more There's more incels than we thought. This is the idea of everything. This is like, okay, they, they, they can't blame themselves. The same yeah, way the characters yeah, it's not, can't it's, suck. It's the audience's fault. It's never that you've got a bad product or like bad storytelling. Or, or, or it's you're, you're, you're not forward thinking enough to get it. Yeah. Yeah, you're not forward enough thinking to get it. And, and you need a bigger club to beat you over the head with it. So, this, so they just keep. So, so in their minds, the movies are making themselves popular so that they can help put the progressivism on instead of, you know, um, yeah. So th- that, that's my thought about why they keep failing. They, they keep failing upwards. They, they, they try to use the big stuff to put their stuff over. Cause they keep thinking they're going to find a mythical big enough audience of smart people who are going to like the stuff, not realizing that they're not smart themselves and smart people actually, hate this stuff, that you're not talented. The same way they can't let their characters, who are just avatars of themselves, ever have a flaw, they can't entertain that they themselves have any type of flaw, and that the reason this stuff is not going over isn't because of a bunch of review bombing or incels or whatever, but because you're just not talented people. Yeah, I just want to say, and I think this is connected to the importance of gatekeeping and the importance of scenes and, like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> like w- without things that get trialed with like a small scene, like in one, one city or, you know, one kind of community, then, you know, if something's good, you know, or, you know, the person's cool or, 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 you know, smart, they have a following and you grow a following and then, you know, it'll, it'll take you to maybe higher places or maybe not. Maybe you just have a very small indie thing. And I think, you know, this is the, like, you know, the whole buying in, selling out thing, right? That I think this we're seeing the ultimate end game of it, where <clears throat> you know you have a bunch of rich rich kids or, or or people that could afford, you know the the you know the, the masters in art, whatever degree, and then you know you know the, the they get to do whatever they got to do, and you know the people that might have talent or you know might ha- be you know uh, thirsty enough to to do it. They um, never shine and they just, you know, <laughs> become, you know, very, very critical and possibly uh, are the people that are in, in the comic scene that, you know, are, are like, this is garbage. I'm not going to read it and get more and more frustrated. And I, I think, you know, this is um, 
with a, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I guess with comics and, and, and film and, and, and even gaming. Um, it's just a bunch of people that are over credentialed and they have the expendable income, as, you know, to pr- pursue their, their, their interest. It's, and I think it happened with music as well. Yeah, and they, they all, they all died wonder, out. One thing I wonder, right? How much bigger a stage can they get? Like, they get Star Wars, which is like the biggest um, IP in the planet, and they still can't get their things. Like, they've been given everything. Like, there's nothing bigger than this stuff. You know what I mean? And um, how many things are they be given the keys to? You know, it, it's like it's like uh, somebody's kids, some rich guy's kid who's trying to buy advantages so that he can get on the um, you know team or something, you know, and, and he, the dad's buying him personal coaches, basketball camps, the cutting edge shoes. And, you know, you know, he's, he still can't score. You know, the, the dad bought him a spot in the bat on the varsity team, you know, it starts bribing the other players. Uh, and the kids just still can't get out of single digit uh, stats. And it's like, I just want to like, how much bigger can the game be rigged in your favor? At what favor? point do you just call it? Yeah, like you've already gotten all yeah. of the opportunities. Like you're never going to get opportunities bigger than the Marvel Comics universe in Star Wars. Yeah. So at what point do you just call it and say like this is not resonating with audiences? Yeah, exactly. When are you going to call it? And also, what bigger thing can you do? <laughs> like, like what you know, like uh, even if you decide not to call it, like like that, that's two questions actually. What you said. When are you going to decide to call this, number one? And number two, if you don't call it, um, what's next for you? What can you possibly, what narrative can you still tell as as a cope? Like, you know, I think the next thing I'm going to do, and this is going to be really scary, but, but mark my words, I think, I think this might happen. I think I might try to remake the original trilogy but with uh maybe like maybe like a black woman uh Luke Skywalker. Oh my gosh. Well, the or something. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's like remaking oh. classics. They're gonna be like, okay, forget trying to make a ray and another thing. The problem is we need to rig it even more. Tell the whole original trilogy. This time we can't fail. Everyone loves the original trilogy. We can tell the whole original trilogy, but make it better and woke and you know either they make a female Luke Skywalker or maybe they'll make Princess Leia now the the hero this time I, I don't know I think I, I think also like I'll I'll, I'll I'll hang up after this I think they also lost the plot like okay you've you 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 have your black you know character you have your you know female lead you have okay so what so you got it like let's let's fucking move on I, I don't know like I don't like um and, and I, I'll go on a quick tangent I saw the the Buzz Lightyear movie um last night with and and, uh and i don't want to spoil it i I won't spoil it but like you know there's like this massive token it's like a token upon of a token upon a a, a, upon a token character (laughs) and it's like okay this is you know it it added nothing to the story it added nothing wait 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 wait. what 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 was this was this a, a show or a trailer the, the 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 Buzz Lightyear um, movie. Oh, the Buzz Lightyear. Oh, yeah. I didn't even watch that. Okay, okay I'm following you now. I got yeah. you. Yeah. So there's like this one character that they literally like if they if they put all the tokens in one character, <laughs> right? And 
and uh and it's like okay fine you know that's cool you know okay so can we just go back to like having like regular people because like nobody's gonna be like triple stacked <laughs> like like that person and you know so i, I don't I, I think you know like it, it's we, we we we've seen it you you've been seen you've you know ha- you've had it Let, let's move on and just go back to to like not forcing everything and i think you're right team man we're gonna see these remakes because there, there's no end goal it's kind of taking like the capitalist model right it's just exponential growth exponential growth exponential growth of of these kind of um representation uh checkbox uh characters there's there's no politics behind it there's no meaning behind it you know it's just getting this getting some you know rich kid who you know identifies as whatever is cool at the time and and they can write themselves into a movie um yeah 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 Yeah, but uh yeah so i think you know because there's no end goal that is um what we're seeing now like what's next you know we 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 have the you know you know we we have everything now so can we just go back to normal and i i I don't think that's going to happen i think it's just going to keep on metastasizing it's just it's a kind of a kind of a, a a cancer because you know that's just what's in i guess i don't know but yeah that's all. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Metas- metastasis. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, thanks, um, Colonel Kadapi. I'm gonna skip over you because you uh, just were on, but I'll, I'll put you on after Natty, and uh, then we'll end. We'll end after you, I think. I just want to make sure people get a chance to speak. Hey, how's it going, Natty? Uh, oh, hey, I'm I'm good. Y- y- y'all can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, uh, so I've been I've been listening a bit, and uh, you know, uh, yeah. So I, I remember being like a young Asian male liberal, wanting all that representation and stuff. And you know, like I was like twenty twelve college, and fast forward, you have all that. You know, Asian, nice, strong Asian male. You know, black women, queer characters, and and, and it all sucks. Uh, Anyway, so like my my fear or my one of my predictions uh, is that because so much of it sucks and you know like uh, me I, I'd like that you know I'd like seeing representation but just for it to not suck and there's just a contingent of people who hate you know seeing queer or diversity what whatever. So the, big fear. The power, that's my big be, fear is that there's going to be such a backlash that the good stuff is going to yeah. not even get a chance to, you know, make it out there. Yeah. So what, what I fear is like what like seeing the uh, the Discovery Plus and HBO uh, merger is that they, the you know the powers that that be you know that own like those companies who decide you know what what gets funded like they'll just turn around and just may, maybe just sell back to quote, quote unquote like middle America you know because th- those those shows suck too but they also make money so so like yeah so like, so like people like us who are you know like don't like the uh, I guess the neoliberal uh, version of diversity and you know we, they'll hear a bit of our complaints 
And then they'll hear, say, like the people who just, you know, the right wing who just outright hate it. And they'll just be like, all right, we could just cut, you know, having, well, we don't need the tokens after all to make money. And then they'll just take those out. So, so yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I have, yeah. I, have that same, I have that same worry. In, I mean, the one thing I think is that I think they're going to have to have some diversity still just for PR purposes. My hope is that they just don't find another brand of unprofitable shills and just keep cycling. Like, like, like I think, I don't think they'll stop. I don't think they'll stop having diversity, but my fear is that maybe they won't give people three or four chances to keep flopping. Instead, they'll just keep cycling through shills faster. And if you have a show that flops and you're like a um, uh, token, you'll get kicked out faster, but they'll just bring in another similarly bad token, which still puts us in the same place where eventually they might still stop end up doing the tokens. Like my curiosity, I don't know the answer to this is, is, is there going to be a way in which, or some kind of pipeline or avenue through which um, competent or interesting um, POC or queer people or whatever are able to, you know, get these these positions or get on these people's radar because um what a friend of mine said who's a uh, a black filmmaker right is that he said that he he just finished filming this movie and what he said in filming this movie and trying to get it out there he said the black bourgeoisie media class they don't really have any real power they can't really um do anything that requires real power in hollywood I can't speak about you know the Asian representation class because I don't really know anybody it, who's a it, who's an expert on them. But what he said about the black about the, the black class, right, uh, is that he said they don't have any real power, but the one power they have is to gatekeep other black people from getting in front of uh, the people who make decisions. So, for example, they don't really have any real power in Hollywood, but they can. Um, keep certain black people from getting in front of a, a David Zaslav or getting in front of a, a so-and-so and get the people they like in front of those yeah, people. They, they basically can just like their, their ability is cock blocking. And that's it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly. So, um, that's, I think is going to be a big problem is getting people in front. And, and you were saying, you were saying something, uh, Natty. So I want to make sure you get a chance to say it. Um, no, I was I was saying like the the, the Asian bourgeois or well I guess they both be petty bourgeois. Uh, this is similar to the, to the black one. Uh, but though I I I do see like yeah they they're always gonna keep like uh, a few tokens around whether just in their shows or on their boards direct or you know directing and producing. But like um like this is just like random thought. But like maybe one of the big streaming uh, services could could like take a stance in the culture war and be like the they, they won't really go full right wing but like just like the one that'll be different than yeah the, more, the ones doing the the, the diversity shit. that will be scary because if someone does that and they get successful you can bet 
everyone's gonna just run and follow suit. And that's when that's that's when it's gonna get really bad. If someone really commits to that counter programming idea, uh, here's an idea that I think could work uh, as far as getting good diverse content out there. And I think people will have to be more open to it, but it requires a little bit of capital and risk and with everybody having so much student loan debt and inflation, it's not easy to do, but if you can do it, I think it's the best way is and an example. Of this is Tyler Perry. Like Tyler Perry is not from that kind of uh, bourgeois elite class. Like his type of play, they used to call it like the chitin circuit. Like it was for um, blue collar, poor, religious, uh, country ass black people the kind of people that you know the the petty bourgeois black people in hollywood uh hate that's why uh you know people like spike lee really you know uh did not like him and thought that he was uh an embarrassment and you know there was like almost an embarrassment of white people seeing him but because he was so profitable like he had grassroots support that's the problem like he might not have had new york magazine writers and and people at buzzfeed like you know squealing over him but uh for what he spent he made huge profits and then um is it lionsgate what's the company that that signed him like he became too big to ignore and that's how he became a player he became a player without having to kiss the rings of you know the black bourgeoisie gatekeepers slash slash cock blockers. But um, it's not an easy thing um, to do, you know, but I think that's going to be, you're going to have to create something that just gets like a million clicks on YouTube or, you know, didn't cost a lot, but made a lot of money compared to what, you know, it costs to, to make. And I think that's probably the only, and in theory with, the way digital is so cheap now and digital cameras and the web and all that stuff and how it's supposed to democratize everything in theory, you would think a lot of that stuff would be out there, but for some reason it's not, not happening. Even the tech is supposed to be democratizing everything. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have anything else to say, but if not, then I guess we'll just uh, close out with, uh, Colonel Kobe Gaddafi. Uh, thanks so much, Natty. Appreciate you joining us and just going to end it uh, in a couple of minutes. Hey, so how's it going? You're uh, the last guy up. so. Uh, I just want to say this to Nate 52. Yes, he had to kiss Oprah's ring. Did Oprah have to kiss anyone else's ring that often? I That's what I thought. <laughs> um... I'm going to back, but also Nate, that actually speak, he spoke to a point I want to get to, which is this. He he brought up that, you know, what was it? We need another like Spike Lee, John Singleton, God rest his soul, uh, revolution. And I think, and I and I don't know how to put this in a just in a nice way, so I'll just say it the blunt way possible. Hollywood will not allow a a screenwriter like that to be that gone anymore because I think this is the one conceit that I think a lot of the black PMC does not want to ever face, even even the boulets where it's clearly true, which is they can't let a writer like that, a black writer like that become famous because writers like that, the big problem, if you look at it, that they would have with the model, it isn't like being politically correct. If you really break it down, the problem is 
they talk about masculinity in a way that isn't like full of like shame. It's nuanced in some ways, but it's also like it's, there's a like a there's levels to this shit. It's willing to look like be blunt, but also be like this is fucked. You know what I'm kind of saying? Like with like with a uh, Jungle Fever, there's a lot of moments like that. Like you, you kind of see where I'm going with this? T T there. T T E E. <laughs> no, my thing was frozen. I could not get okay, the okay. call. In, I couldn't get the call on screen. So I was a hidden. Okay, the, how much you button. hear? And, I swear on, on God, how much you hear? Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I was frozen, so I caught little things like Jungle Fever and some other stuff, but I was not okay. able to Let hear, me, hear anything. Okay, I can condense this down. I'll condense okay. it down like this. I feel like the reason why we won't get another Spike Lee or John Singleton is because when they talk, when they show the vision of black masculinity, they show it in a way not even that it's unpolitically correct or whatever. It's that it's just very blunt and it, it's very noble, savage at best, highly misogynistic at worst. Like you know, he she hate me is probably one of the most interesting Spike Lee movies I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Not yeah, nice. yeah, it's, it's very weird. Yeah, Anthony Mackie. Well, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing I'm trying to get at. When these writers go talking about masculinity, I think the reason why a figure like Spike Lee or like that, I think the thing that makes a character, writers like that, kind of a problem now, if you really want to just come out and say it, is those kind of writers point to a big contradiction that the black and uh, PMC have had to deal with when they always talk about toxic masculinity, which is you can't talk about black men are trash and aren't being able to like provide and all this shit when we know the kind of black men that wind up in your class getting to even close to your level. And that's where we know we're all full of shit because a writer like that will show a type of masculinity that isn't like bound to those kinds of rules, which Sorry. is how you get. Like, like you see what I'm, trying, I'm saying here so far? No, I'm having trouble. I don't know why I'm having trouble following it. I, I, I'm listening, but I'm having trouble. Like, like, how? What is it that Hollywood? Um, with the, I follow you with the uh, hyper masculinity and everything, but then something about with the divesting. The problem the, is that. The problem is that they don't want a writer like, say, like even Robert Townsend at the lowest, respectively, because when they show black men, there is a level of nuance, but it's a level of nuance that's willing to show oh, yeah. bad, unflinchingly. It's willing to show bad and good in the most unflinching light possible, as is now where you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, 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 like, well, also, I think. Big... Mm -hmm. And also, no, I, like, I, I, I think yeah, a bigger I think the big problem, problem is... with a lot of these people is that they want black women to be the face of uh, black culture, but a specific type of black women, not even all black women, but black women of their particular social class and, and inclinations. But, you know, the problem is like a lot of people, even within the black community, 
even among other black women, a lot of people just kind of don't like these people. But what they're good at is making friends with white people because a lot of people grew up with white people or whatever. So, um, I think. Oh, no, no, no. I know exactly. I, I just know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons why they don't want, why they don't want like black black uh, male characters because they feel like black male characters and they're nuanced or whatever are competing for the oxygen in the room. The oxygen being uh, oh no no no, it gets to, worse than that. Attention. It gets way worse. It gets but, but, worse but, but, than that. But, but they don't even want to compete with other types of black women. Like like they are very. They'll call them pick me's, mammies, all types of some of the things I see these people no, online call call black women. No, as horrible. I agree. I agree with you, Trevor, but there's one other layer to it that really is sad when you look at it, was how they deal with black men, which is you come to the conclusion, looking in the discourse everything, of, <clears throat> I think what's going on is that, like I was talking about earlier, they don't want to ever admit that the only men, black men, that make it up into their, like, social economic class ranks, more often than not, are, like, you know, like male housebroken that thems. You see what I'm trying to say? Does anyone follow Q? No, I'm I'm not saying. I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm yeah. too cynical to. No, I'm too cynical to to. Um, yeah, you're, I'm the wrong person to ask on this one. I'm way too cynical to believe that anything other than like just like, um people just like getting straight up fired david zoslav style is going to make anything besides that is not going to make a difference because like no no not that it's going to get people fired i just think that it's not no, no i'm saying but that no i'm saying that's what's going to be required as far as i'm concerned like unless you tell people, oh, no, i'm not asking people, what's like, going to get people look, fired i'm asking like yeah. i think we're not going to get that change because they're afraid of like what adding an actual proper male perspective in Hollywood writing that actually has a point to it. Right. What, what I'm know, saying, though, is that that's not, none of that is going to change until uh, the, like, the people currently sort of like gumming up the entertainment industry with their like their, their mediocre path that nobody wants to watch or listen to. Like, until uh, some executive puts their foot down and says, sorry, this stuff doesn't sell. Nobody likes it, so you got to go. And then like clean people i i think like anything short of that is not going to make any difference you think so i'm really afraid to see if he gets caught up in this shit yeah no i i, I honestly like where i where i knew that uh we were heading down a really bad avenue was queen and slim like when i watched that movie for the Ooh, movie, yes ah, ah when i watched that movie Bro, I was like, oh, we're cooked. Like, I'm like, this is going to be the quality of film for like the next 10 years. And we're never, we're not moving out of this. We're not moving out of this. Dude, dude, I'm not even kidding. I had to, that movie was so bad. I had to replace a TV because I threw a shoe at it. Oh. <laughs> I went full Elvis on that movie. Just fuck this fucking movie. And we're like, like we're pretty far afield from She-Hulk right now. But what I'm trying to say is that like, I, I don't know. Like to me, it's, it's symptomatic of a culture where, um, they don't hire people that can tell good stories. They hire people that can hopefully like pander and appeal to a particular audience that they're looking for. Uh, that's, uh, but Q, Q, just to add to your point about the writer point, I think what it also is that I know they can't get any like, good writers, because I think after a while, and I, I think 
I think we saw the end of writers like this in terms of like you know TV like that with like Norman Lear getting big on the screen on the on the scene of like TV, which is they don't want to get normal blue collar people who like broke into it's like with actors like if you look at a lot of like actors back in the seventies or whatnot a lot of them grew up just dirt ass poor like you know like what's the guy from Deathwish um Charles Bronson you know. Yeah, Charles Bronson grew up, like, fucking poor. That motherfucker grew up like the guys from It's Always Sunny. That's how fucking poor he was. Like, but that's not a thing anymore. We keep looking into more and more of these new actors and we immediately figure it out. Like, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch. He comes from slave money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he goes to give him slave money. I'm, I mean, it's, it's going to be, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is because, how I mean. How does no one bring I'm, that up? How has I mean, nobody I mean, brought think, that up? One, I think I think one thing that um, I don't say enough because I think sometimes uh, the the black blue checks and stuff annoy me a lot because to me they're the ones in charge of the black entertainment which is what I want to see improve but I think something that I don't really uh, say enough and I think is important to say is the white talent is getting a lot worse too they just have so much more white talent that just by law of averages some good stuff is still going to get um, through but I mean this is like the worst has been for I think um, white hackery as as well. Like like I like I definitely think it's not isolated to to the tokens. So I think that's part of the problem is when the people who are in charge or can do the most um, um, putting people on or whatever are kind of whack themselves. Like like these are the wackest executives we've had. These are the wackest showrunners we've had the like all the gen x people who were interesting and good whether you like their movies or not but they're just kind of interesting like say a cameron crow like you don't even see him anywhere anymore you know like like well, that's because that's because the gen x that managed to survive and win were all the people who like well everyone went to adapt voted and play the game the hacks no, I was just gonna say the people who voted for Clinton, but you, I'd be repeating you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, those the, the people who can play the game, can do the politics, like all the interesting Gen X, anybody from Gen X who's still around, is basically um, working with the scrappies. Is 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 uh, working with these new hacks? Is putting on these um, horrible tokens and staying relevant like that? Yeah, but yeah, anybody Gen X still in the game has been willing to play whatever the new game is to stay to stay oh no no it's pretty bad yeah yeah it's it's pretty bad so so i think i think it's a big problem is that the rot is all the way up at the top it's 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 not something that you know we can just worry about on the token level because the people above the tokens who are doing the hiring it's you know it's, it's gone up it's gone up the chain you know what I think is going to probably get the blue checks finally ousted once and for good? And this is my most, my most sane theory. This is my most sane theory I can think of. My theory is one of two movie types of movies get made. Either the Black Men or Trash crowd gets to make a full-on remake of um, And Their Eyes with Washing God, which is tailor-made for them. And then if you see how bad it'll be written in their hands... That'll just give everything away. That's the first theory. And the second one, they try to do, like, a woke remake of, like, the yellow wallpaper, but instead it's, like, some 
like are in like the south of Atlanta or whatever. You, you see what I'm trying to say here? Well, they yeah, do for sure. So bad. When they make their, when they make what it can only be called their homeboys in outer space, then it will all be over. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, when they make their homeboys in outer space, you watch. It's gonna fall like the walls of fucking Jericho. <laughs> I I will say the the last thing I will say and uh yeah I'm just going to um end end after this final um point and then I'll let you you know say your last point. Um I look at discouraged by how even things are promised end up just becoming like everything else like uh well I know you were never into Town Hazy Coats uh Q from the beginning I don't think uh but I remember Town Hazy Coats came out the Case for reparations. I'm like, oh, this guy is gonna. Oh no, I was reading Tanahasi Coates since like uh, his first big article was on Bill Cosby um, doing the the pull up your pants tour, the the pound cake tour. Also, so so you, you went to him for a while. Yeah, I was following him since like way back when. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I got into him around the case for reparations. I heard of him before, but I didn't really read read his stuff. And uh, and now he's just doing like you know just. I don't know. He the, the stuff he's doing is just all fiction now, and he's just doing like um, diverse Marvel stuff that seems kind of boring and messagey. And and uh, Jordan Peele was someone that I kind of bought into when he first came out, and I loved Get Out. And lately, his stuff is just blue checky and boring. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like I'm with somebody who comes in and is not just promising, but you know, stays stays promising and that's and that's kind of um where i am as far as being disappointed by everything it's just uh driving me nuts one quick thing i will say though somebody in the chat said that um tyler perry still had to kiss oprah's ring but i don't really think that's kind of true to be put on because people don't realize tyler perry was doing stage plays since 1992 and uh diary of a mad black woman and his uh, came out in 2005, and his Lion Gates deal came out in 2004. So the dude was in the game for like 12 years grinding and making so much money that Lionsgate had to, you know, uh, put him on. Then Diary of Mad Black Woman came, and he proved Lionsgate's bet to be good because that thing made a lot of money. It cost like nothing to make, and it made like like what do people don't realize is people think. You know, that is just about how much a movie grosses. But people don't realize something like My Big Fat Greek Wedding is actually more profitable than, say, Avatar. Because Avatar will cost, like, $200 million to make. So by the time the the marketing and the budget and everything is, is done, Avatar might make back twice its money or maybe three times. But uh, I think My Big Fat Greek Wedding at the time was one of the most profitable movies ever. Like, it made something like 14 times its budget, even though what it made was like, you know, in the tens of millions. And Tyler Perry was, was like that. Like he became a force like that, where it's like daughter for daughter, this guy is a great, a great bet. So he met Oprah after 12 years of grinding and stage stage plays and getting put on by Lionsgate. And then, um, having a hugely successful, movie that made people stop and take notice and say, okay, this guy can deliver uh, the profits. So, and then he went to Oprah's Legends Ball in 2005, where all the big people are, and that's where he, like, you know, got to really 
meet her. But to be at Oprah's Legends Ball, it's all huge people already. So the idea that he had to kiss her ring to get put on is not true. He had to get put he had to put himself on to get within spitting distance of her of her ring. Like you know, like, like don't buy into that narrative of thinking that she put him on. I would say if anything, he has made her more money than she's made him. Yeah, he made her. He made her so much money in that own network with those shows that he did. It cost absolutely zero to make, and um, he does like sixty-five episodes of those things um, a year. Some ridiculous amount of episodes. Yeah, so yeah, don't 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 sleep. You know, he he. I don't really like his work, but that that dude is uh, one of the last kind of self-made people. Yes, yeah, the last thing I have to say. Yeah, no, I've I've got nothing to add to that. Like I said, we we wandered pretty far afield from the Hulk, but uh, hopefully we can uh, we can we can stay closer to the topic this time around. Wait, wait, that's weird about this. We didn't explicitly talk about She Hulk that much, but everything we talked about was related to <laughs> She Hulk in a way. Like you know, no, it, it was... no, it, it's it's symptomatic of a whole lot of problems within the entertainment industry. Like, uh, I would actually like to. Uh, come back to this and have a recap of the show once it's done but it was I don't know it was just handled but a parallel fashion that I think is a responsible thing to talk about like what is wrong with the industry that we keep going down the road yeah and by, by the way have you uh, have you watched Sandman yet uh, I'm sorry you're breaking up a little bit so I heard, I heard have you watched and then I couldn't hear the thing have you, have you watched Sandman uh, the the, the, the Bearman <sighs> Show on Netflix. Um, no, it lost me at Netflix, uh, so I didn't watch it. Uh, Since so I heard Netflix, but it's uh, actually not also, bad. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not as good as the uh, the original. So I'm, somebody calls. Them, I just broken up. Uh, this this is the thing uh, that I'm not. I'm not weird with stuff like this. I'm not gonna watch this show until I read every Sandman comic. So I um. Oh, you haven't uh, you haven't read Sandman? Uh no, I never read Sand. I, I'm I read, surprised. This it, it seems like something that'd be right up your alley. Uh, I read an issue here and there, but I never read because I think at the time it was only available in um direct direct. And where I grew up, where I was growing up, I didn't have uh, access to a direct comic shop, so I could only get newsstand at that time. So, um, I mean, now all comics go to the comic shop, uh, the, the specialty comic shop. But back in the days, you could get stuff at the newsstand or the comic shop. And for like a couple of years in my childhood, I could only get the newsstand stuff. So I could only occasionally get a Sandman if I was visiting someplace and I could go to like a specialty comic store. So, so that's why I miss whole chunks of Sandman. It wasn't until I got to go to college that I was able to regularly go to like one of those um, direct direct comic shops. But by then, I think Sandman might have been already um, wrapped up or at least too far along for me to catch up now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's been like repackaged as a graphic or like graphic novel series. Um, and I mean, there's like various ways that you can just download the comic books, but yeah, I, I would highly recommend it. I think it's something that uh, that would really appeal to you. But yeah, I started reading I, I, it actually. I'm, I'm on I'm on like issue uh, three. I was kind of surprised how 
based in DC it is. Like there's actually like superheroes in it and stuff, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it, I, it was it was at a time where like um, DC was like into some really uh, experimental territory, but I like uh, yeah, it, it was where like um, it was like during the same period that like Alan Moore was writing with them. So there were still like vestiges of DC comics in it. And I, I, yeah, to me, Sandman was like um, a lot more looped into the DC universe than most of this other experimental stuff. At the same time, I think it's like one of Neil Gaiman's best writing. Like I, 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 I actually have a lot more hype about the Sandman than I ever was for American Gods. Um, sorry, you broke up for me again. So I heard uh, something talking American Gods. No, I said I was a lot more hyped for the Sandman adaptation than I was for American Gods. Yeah, I haven't read that much um, gaming, but I have liked what I I have liked what I read. I guess the Netflixness of it. Like, I don't know that that actor just does not look gothy enough to me. The guy dude just looks like a CW underwear model to me. Like, it's, so th- that kind of scared me off already. I'm like, I've seen the pictures of Sandman, and this guy just looks has that generic CW Netflix white under, underwear model guy look. look? But, I mean, maybe his acting is good and it pulls it off. I'll, I'll give it a chance. If you want to do a show on it, um, I mean, supposedly it's gotten a lot of ratings. Uh, but, it, but Netflix I, I always think, kind of spins. Uh, yeah. I think I think it, it has gotten a bit of ratings inflation. I liked it a lot. Like, I actually sat and watched, uh, I've probably been to like seven episodes in a row. Uh, it, it did start to falter off towards the uh, like after, after the uh, the midpoint of the series. It did start to fall like tail off a little bit, but I, I don't know. I, I still I still enjoyed it. Uh, All right, I'm gonna t- yeah, I'm gonna check it out. It. Yeah. I'm gonna see if Hirotsu wants to do the episode with us because uh, Hirotsu has strong thoughts about it. And I think he was not crazy about it, so it might be nice to have a. a a, a panel of people who feel different different ways about it, but I'm going I'm going to watch it, uh, especially because I want to take a break from <laughs> talking about Marvel for for a bit, and that might be a good good excuse yeah. to yeah yeah yeah. But um, all right, everybody, um, thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, do you want to try to watch a League of Their Own? Because I'm curious to hear what you think about a League of Their Own. And it doesn't have that many episodes. I think it has like uh, no, six. I'll- I'll do it if I have to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you should because I've been suffering, suffering through this horrible phase four. So, yeah, you, you, you owe me one. You got you to gotta watch this. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll watch the league of their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that'll be fun. I want to – and uh, people in the audience, you should watch it too. It's 26 episodes. I think it's not that bad. I think it's actually watchable, but the presentism is ridiculous. Like, like it's not 1943 at all. It's yeah. a very intersectional um, – Karen feminism type of 1943, which is a very, makes for a very weird experience. But uh, yeah, everybody take care, be good, and join us again soon.